Hello, everybody. Happy 2022. It's a World Cup year. That's always fun. Welcome to We Ate All the Pies, the first show of the new year. Um, starting out about like the last two years, we're all afraid of this virus and City look like they're about to win uh, the title again. So it's a new year, but a lot of stuff has stayed the same. Don't tell Pep Guardiola that, of course. He wants you to believe that the race is still on, but well, it's, it's looking less and less likely. Uh, I am Adam. I am back. Um, I would like to say well-rested, but to be honest, um, there, it was just kind of hard to do that over the holiday season between the snow and the family and, and all that stuff. So, um, but I am reinvigorated, watched a lot of good football, uh, as did, uh, my co-hosts, uh, who were here this evening. Um, back with us is Fulham fan, just as a reminder, Fulham fan, Caleb, uh, from, uh, the uh, great state of Georgia. Hello, Caleb. come up during the podcast. Howdy, howdy. Wouldn't, the <laughs> yeah. fact that I'm a full fan probably would not have come up uh, during the podcast. Um, I have to say two quick things. First of all, it was lovely to get together with Jordan on Boxing yeah. Day um, in Dallas and got to watch some, some good football. And Jordan met some Jordies, and um, it was an overall fun experience. Um, so, so that was really cool because um, I don't think we'd see each other since your wedding. And, of course, all these podcasts yeah. are done remotely. So that was a lot of fun. Um and then also, is this a long – it's technically, you're correct, it is a World Cup year. Have we ever had to wait so long between the first of the year and the first game before for a World Cup? No. I don't know. It's, it's going to be – it, it doesn't feel – it's not going to feel like a World Cup year for a long time because it's not until November that we get right. uh, our first right. match. But, yes. Yeah, so so it's, it's it, it, it will be a World Cup year just in time for the year to end. Um, but I'm still looking forward to that. I think that will be fun. Uh, and as you mentioned, Jordan is with us this evening, um, driving back as he usually is, uh, from his work down there in Texas. And I am curious now, Jordan. So, so Caleb, as, as he mentioned, you guys were together on boxing day. Looks like a, a lot of fun. Tell me about these Jordies you met and, um, how many horses did you punch? Uh, there was no horses punch. Oh, okay. Well, it uh, almost seems like it wasn't one. worth it. <laughs> Uh, because we have more money than God now. Okay. Um, uh, so you can punch you, you you can punch Arabian horses now. Horses you can punch thoroughbreds. In times of crises, I just wanted to apologize to Caleb uh, for the fact <laughs> that a Man City supporter group was also at the London Air Addison with us. I did not realize that uh, that kind of filth went there. <laughs> um, and what was the funniest interaction was watching the Chelsea fans sitting like in the main part of the bar next to us, and then the actual people from England, the Geordies, right, uh, just making you know jerk off motions, <laughs> calling them wankers, uh, you know, throwing up the V, then you know, darting your tongue out between it, uh, and just you know, generally calling them on their American shit. Because uh, I believe the chant was Champions of Europe, and then they go, "No one's fucking singing that in London." <laughs> yeah, it was priceless. They were they were like, "Only Americans are singing that. Nobody's singing that in London." Well, because wasn't that in response to their equalizing? No, no, it wasn't. Hold on. Yeah, it was in response to an equalizing goal against Aston Villa, I think. And it was a Jorginho penalty. So, <clears throat> anyways. But that no, that's that's that was great. That was a lot. I was just I was stuck in West Coast time, having to get up at you know six o'clock in the morning to watch 
uh, to watch games in a house because we were snowed in. So, not near as so, uh, not near as way, Adam, man, dude, you missed some delicious pub food. I wasn't sure where you were that, going with that. <laughs> uh, oh, my okay. God. Um, the steak and mushroom pie I had, masterpiece. I'm a I'm a ch- chicken and mushroom pie fan. I, I don't know if I've ever had steak and mushroom. That that does sound Caleb, delicious. Caleb had a full English breakfast, of course. Of course. But he was looking yeah. very enviously at my well-fried <laughs> chips, which I was dipping into said leftover gravy. Of course. That's how it has to see. That's that's a proper Boxing Day. Like that. That's perfect. Absolutely. Um, thank you again, gentlemen, for, for joining me and, and for making it into this new year. I know it is, uh, it's fraught times. COVID is running rampant, as Caleb uh, sort of pointed out. But uh, we press on, and there was plenty of football over the break. In fact, so much, I think it's going to be kind of hard to break down um, any of the games. Although, I guess we can talk a little bit about Chelsea-Liverpool, since that was just this past Sunday. Um, but I want to start with a list of I think, burning questions for 2022. And they all pretty much have to do with the title race, which, if you ask some people, may not be a race anymore. Um, City standing tall right now, 11 straight Premier League wins. Um, That's win. Not not 11 straight games without a loss, which they've, of course, done before as well, but 11 straight wins, so 33 points that I think followed... Um, that defeat to Crystal Palace back in, I want to say, early October. I think that's right. Um, they're 10 points clear now because we've had the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool, you know, kind of stutter here and there. Chelsea more so than, than, than Liverpool. Um, but I mean, looking at the table now, it's, it's, it's looking a lot like last year. You know, City, I think, had a, had a bit of a slow start. Then they, they really picked up pace, and they just sort of, I mean, no one could catch them by, by the end of it. Are we seeing a repeat of that this time around? Is this City's title to lose, or is this just a brief moment in time where we have this big separation and things are going to tighten up? Because it didn't look like this going into the holiday season. I mean, it, it, it maybe looked like City were, were resurgent and coming back, and, and, you know, and, and Chelsea were starting to fall off a little bit. But I'm surprised at how big of a gap has opened up, and I'm just wondering the thoughts of you two gentlemen. Is this is this city's title done and dusted, or are we basically just watching the, the top four race and, and at all for the rest of the season? Uh, I'm going to call it right now. This title race is a church. Um, I don't know what kind of deal uh, Pep made with what devil, Maybe it involved Fernand Torres going back to a certain club that he used to manage. Who knows? But they have had such a run of luck during this holiday season that it borders on miraculous. So unless they're going to shoot themselves in the foot in the springtime, which I doubt, I think it's done. Would you call it luck, though? I mean, what what luck? I mean, I mean they. Um, there was the Ederson, I mean, they thrashed Ederson Newcastle. Red carded, Ederson red card against Newcastle. Ederson uh, penalty against uh, Martin Odegaard. Um, oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time, 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 time. 
You you're talking about the Arsenal yeah. game this weekend? Yes. The one where calling, he, the one the one the one where he got the ball. Uh, yeah, but if you're calling uh, Bernardo Silva's uh, uh, flop a penalty, a, a a penalty, then Martin Odegaard got a should have gotten a penalty for that too. Okay. <clears throat> Bernardo Silva's. Well, I mean, yeah, but you could also say two wrongs softest, don't really make a right. Was the softest foul of all time. He needed toilet paper to wipe his ass. Okay, because it was that because he he was that soft. But so, then, but I mean, you're talking. Yeah, they got lucky. They got very lucky. But I don't know. I, I just find it hard to, to call a four nil win against Newcastle, a six three win against Leicester, and a one nil win against Brentford away lucky. Like I know they've had some calls go their way. Don't get me wrong. But lucky, I don't know if that if that's that that's quite it. I just I guess I just don't see one moment changing those score lines that much. It might not, but given the uh, you know given the way you know probability occurs, it could have. We don't know. The coin flip landed one you know one way and it didn't land the other. Okay, if Ederson gotten sent off, who knows what the, who knows whether that was a win for them or not. Um, luck favors the well prepared. So I, <clears throat> so yes, they did benefit from calls, but they still have to, you know, finish out the rest of these games. But they have gotten lucky, and that's kind of what you need uh, to distance yourself this much from talented teams like Liverpool, Chelsea, like Liverpool and Chelsea. Yeah, I, I mean. And and like you said, I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't think anybody really sees City stumbling at any point throughout the rest of this season. I mean, it might tighten up a little bit, but there is such, like I said, there's such a big gap. I think I think Liverpool ha- may have a game to make up, and they can make it an eight point lead um, for City. But I mean, that even that is, is still a lot. Um, Kayla, what about you? I mean, do, do we see is this is this City's title to lose? Or are we are are we are we done? Can we, can we, are we are we throwing the flag in, the towel in? I think so. Yeah, um, I think so. I mean, they play absolutely crushing football. Um, you know, they they, they just they overwhelm. They seem to have put their scoring woes behind them. You know, even though you know Grealish isn't really playing well, and um, they they don't have a true striker on the squad, um, and they just sold um, Ferran Torres, although you know obviously he wasn't doing anything for him. I mean, they're just they're just so deep. They play such um, incredibly technical football. And if you look at the other two sides, who you know you would argue ha- also have chances of winning Chelsea, who I thought would win at the beginning of the season, and yeah. Liverpool. Chelsea is, and we'll talk about that in a minute. They're they're kind of falling apart. Um, they they absolutely cannot get production from from their forwards other than Mason Mount, and and you know there's just. Uh, some some the gap is widening there there's some there's some fractures happening for the blues and then you know we'll talk about uh this as well you know liverpool um is is going to struggle with Salah and, and um money out for for what's most of the month and so you know it, it, i i think that city is going to increase their already significant lead in january um and you know, by the time maybe some of the other sides can begin to catch up, I think they'll have a large enough lead that they'll be able to to overcome um, anything that happens. I mean, short of Chelsea or Liverpool making some sort of massively impactful signing or, or series of signings in the January transfer window, I don't see this. I don't see 
sitting falling behind. And even if they are able to score some pretty significant transfers, I, I still think this is a pretty easy win for City, unfortunately. Yeah, which, well, yeah, and unfortunately for everybody else because it's just like you said, it's so easy for them. Another thing that's interesting to me is is every everybody else pretty much. I mean, West Ham don't fall into this boat. I'm proud to say, but everybody else pretty much has had problems with COVID. City haven't. They've kept it pretty. They've kept it pretty tight over there. I don't think they've had a whole lot of cases. If I'm if I'm not, unless they had a couple early and they had to cancel a match, but I don't think they have. I think they've been pretty pretty fine. And then you have the fact that in 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 this upcoming uh, you know international tournament, as you mentioned, with Salah and Mane leaving Liverpool, City aren't really losing anything there. They'll have all their players um, fit and and with them and back. I mean, for all that stuff to sort of just come together, and in addition to their fine play and their good form and and the way that they play and the way Pep lines up, obviously not taking anything away from that. But the fact that it all lines up, I mean, I mean, forget 4D. I, Pep seems to be playing like 5D chess here. Seriously. I mean, just the fact that none of that stuff is affecting them and they're able to continue to go from strength to strength week in, week out. And on top of all the other challenges you usually get, Chelsea and Liverpool are facing these additional challenges. I mean, it's just, it's it's kind of part of it. And I, you know... I mean, it's just, it's just sort of part of part of the game. Um, let, we did think I think we we thought our, uh, for much of this first half of the season that Chelsea uh, were looking very strong, and I think you know I, I think we were looking at this holiday period as sort of a a a test for them to see if they were really worth um, you know the the hype that they were getting, and they have basically failed. And I just kind of wonder where it all went wrong. You know, Caleb, you, you mentioned they haven't really gotten a whole lot of production out of the players up top. Um, Timo Werner has been out, I think, with some COVID-related stuff uh, in addition to his continued problems. And then there's Lukaku. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about him next. But, you know, the to look at City and to see the production they're getting out of not having a striker... When you look at Chelsea, it just it seems like, I mean, what what's going wrong? I mean, what's what what's up? It, it, it's it's very strange to me just to see the attacking talent that's on that that bench, and then they're just not quite able to do, um, to do anything with it. It's very strange to me. It's it's very weird, and I I, I don't know if if you could call this a failure by Thomas Tuchel to take advantage of this, but it, it's certainly it's certainly weird. Yeah. Uh- and that's what's confusing to me. I mean, obviously, at some point, you, it's the injuries have been an issue for him. And Pulisic and Lukaku um, have all had injuries. But when you look at the, the talent they have up top, um, at some point, you have to say, you know, is this a, is this a managerial problem and an inability to get the most out of these players and put them, you know, strategically in the places they need to be in order to perform well? And also, you know, with Lukaku, I mean – Talk about night and day from the summer to where we are now. I mean, when he was signed in, in the you know um, after the season had begun, he came on and he scored, and he just looked like the answer to their prayers, and looked like you know no signing fit a need quite as perfectly as that one did. And then he gets hurt, and then you don't really see him play, and he doesn't really start, and he hasn't really been playing well, if at all, since September. Um, 
And, you know, I have no idea what's going on there. I mean, I don't know if maybe there's a lack of fitness or maybe the injury was just significant, but obviously there's also some personal things going on um, between him and, and the manager and, and the management of, of Chelsea. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very odd thing to see something as um, successful as I thought that would be turn out Lukaku back at Chelsea to see that kind of crumble within a matter of months and be as ineffective as, as that partnership has been is, is really kind of shocking. So for those, I mean, I imagine anybody listening knows this by now, but uh, basically uh, Lukaku gave an interview to, I think Sky, Sky Italia, where he essentially talked about how he didn't feel like he was being used right at Chelsea and he thought he could be played in a bit of a different position. So in, in effect, kind of calling out Thomas Torchwell for, for his tactics and then basically alluding to the fact that he would like to go back to Inter Milan, which is very, very weird to say in the middle of a season. And uh, it's it was just a very strange... It, there were some very strange comments. The fans were very, very unhappy. And he has since offered an apology. Um, and Thomas Torchell has basically said... Yeah, he's going to play against Tottenham uh, in the League Cup semifinal, which is on Wednesday, so it's Tuesday night here, so he'll play uh, tomorrow night um, in that. But I'm very interested to see the reception that he gets from fans and how that's going to impact the rest of the season. Obviously, we're in the January transfer window. I don't think there's any interest from Chelsea in letting him go. But, you know, depending on the way that this shakes out, if the situation becomes untenable he could look to to move on. And there was this this really weird thing I was thinking about today. So if we remember, we go back to uh, the summer. Um, Antonio Conte left Inter because I think after they won the Serie A, he didn't like the fact that the Inter board basically came down and said, well, we may have done that, but I don't. there's not really going to be any money because we've got to make up for all this lost revenue during the pandemic. And, and you know, it's just not going to be as good. And so he decided, well, that's not that's not good. I, I don't know if I can deal in that situation and left for whatever that's worth. Um, and then almost immediately, it's, he was one of the candidates at Tottenham said, oh, we, we want to go get him. And the story is that he turned that down the first time around. However, now that I'm thinking about it, if if that does happen, if he does go to Tottenham at that time, they've got this 100 million pound plus striker who wants out in Harry Kane. They could have gotten Conte, sold Kane, and brought in Lukaku. And he could be in North London instead of West London right now. And Kane could be at, you know, sit. I mean, it just, it, it, it feels like we were very, very close to this being a completely different situation. And now, of course, Conte is at Tottenham. He's not at Inter. Lukaku's at Chelsea. It's it's just, it's a weird situation. And, and I I wonder... I wonder how that materialized over the summer, really, because it's so strange for Lukaku to come back and say, "This is great. I'm, I'm, I'm back home in London. This is fantastic. I love being at this club." To now saying, um, "I want to go back to Inter." Like it's just, it's a weird, weird situation, and I, I don't, I can't think of any Jordan. I, I, I can't think of any any recent examples in football where that this happened in the middle of a season, maybe toward the end of a season. And certainly in the off season, we had Kane, you know, talking about that, but this is, this is weird. And I just, I don't know how this is going to shake out for Lukaku. 
You know, um, I don't know either. I I would find it hilarious if Chelsea and Tottenham just said, "Hey, you have a you have a disgruntled striker over here. I have one over here. <laughs> Straight swap. You just want to, yeah. I mean, they're they they were they're probably valued about the same uh, at this point. Um, but I find it funny. You know, we talk about Chelsea's collapse in December. Um, last year, when City just went on that amazing run, and you know, just. 14 goals from uh, Ilkay Gundogan and, you know, Rodri was scoring and, you know, they had all these goals from the midfield. Well, Chelsea's leading scorer, I think, is Jorginho and their probably best offensive player going forward is Reese James. Yeah. And yet, you know, they still can't, you know, get themselves out of uh, out of first and second gear. So I just, I think that's a testament to, you know, the way this, the way City is set up. But, on the Lukaku front, man, you're – is he 30 now, 31? Uh, I don't know if he's you, not. I mean, he's got to be 29. I think he is 29, 30. I kind of feel like at this point you have to have better tact than, you know, blasting both what Chelsea management and your manager in a, in a very, you know – easily accessible interview i mean the internet exists so if you're gonna you know just bury your team while you're you know while you're still on it you need to do it in a less visible format than sky italia um and i i hate to be the i told you so guy here but i do believe when he got signed early on i said this is great now and it could work out but He's got some attitude issues. He did when he left Manchester United. He probably did when he was at Manchester United. And, of course, that was the whole Jose Mourinho thing, and, and you know, he was still there. But, I mean, I think it shows now. He's, he's like you said, he he does he kind of lacks that tact. By the way, Lukaku, is, is, he's 28. Um, I think when, when Chelsea initially signed him a long, long time ago from Anderlecht, he was, like, 17 at the time. So it feels like he's been around for a long time, but he's only 28 years old. Having said that, you were correct, Jordan. I would you would think he would have some more professional professionalism about him than to go saying this and and you know like especially during the middle of the season. I mean, come on, man! Like you, you've been injured for most of the time. I, I really don't think this. No pun intended. I don't think he's much of a leg leg to stand on right now at Chelsea. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know that if 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 I were a, his teammate. I would have a very, very hard time playing with him now, because you got to have that a certain level of trust. And maybe it's been hard to play with him so far. I don't know. It hasn't seemed that way. But at this point in time, I don't know if I could reconcile. But that maybe that's just me. Um, I will say one yeah, final yeah. thing on Chelsea just before we let it go. As 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 odd as there is this is this relationship kind of um, breaking between Lukaku and Chelsea as odd as that has been. And as much as it is kind of, you know, exemplified what's been kind of an odd year for them, they are second in the table um, barring, you know, Liverpool victory. And so they're not in a bad position and, and, you know, it could be something where Lukaku gets fitness back and he starts a bunch of matches and they perform well. And, um, you know, you're in, in the um, uh, uh, champions league and, 
um, you know, performing well in domestic cups and, and, you know, they, they maybe they, they don't really challenge city, but they could have a top two, top three, top four finish. So, I mean, there's still quite a bright future ahead of Chelsea. I think they're incredibly talented, but if they, if they continue on this path where they are now, it's, it's less about what they were able to accomplish this year, more about what they could have accomplished because I believe they are so talented and, and yet at the same point in time, they're just such an odd, confusing team to kind of watch. So it, you know, I, I will, I just want to say that like they're have, they're still having a good year. It's just, it's just not as good as it probably should have been. Yeah, I, I think it was just the. Yeah, you're right. I mean, second second is is still very good, and obviously they'll they'll compete. But it is just it's strange to have watched them sort of capitulate, and and it it's it's strange to have seen them do that against teams like Brighton who you would anticipate them to 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 beat um you know maybe not handily but at least come out on top you know they had the goalless draw with wolves earlier in december they had a a one-all draw with everton um you know they they needed a late goal against leeds at home to beat them and that was somewhat fortunate so yeah i mean it's just it's it's those games that sort of leave your head scratching and wondering you know because those are the games you really want to win. You know, those are the games you can win, and then when you go against Liverpool, you get a two-two draw. Okay, that's not too bad. That's a good result. So, it that that's that I think has been been the strangest part. Um, let, let, let's cover um, Liverpool. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. Then we got to we'll we'll sorry, move on to Liverpool. Just, just, just one more one one more thought on Lukaku. Um, I know you know this is you know. This this sport is not you know heavily heavily interesting over here in America, but I find it funny that he had the second biggest fu to his team of the past week or so, because yesterday it was topped by Antonio Bryant of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just uh, <laughs> taking off his jersey and almost down to his entire uniform and just like. Deucing out to the fans as he leaves, uh, uh, I believe MetLife Stadium last uh, yesterday yes. afternoon. But uh, yeah, to, to consider yourself in company of Antonio Bryant when it comes to poor decisions, that's not that, that's not good, my man. Antonio Brown, right? Antonio Brown. Sorry, I sorry, I was thinking of I was thinking of former Cowboys receiver Antonio Bryant. Yes, my bad, yeah, Antonio it's Brown. Too, too many, too many Antonios. Um. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was kind of interesting that, that those two things sort of collided this weekend with, uh, Antonio Brown sort of having his, his fit of rage, if you will. Um, although I did see something today, which I thought was quite funny, which was something like in retrospect, rage quitting when you're losing to a team, uh, to when you're losing to an inferior team is the biggest tribute to Madden that could possibly, <laughs> that could, that could possibly be or something like that. Uh, that's an American joke. Um, so I, I'm looking at this Liverpool squad, and they might be in a bit of trouble. Um, so defensively, they're fine, which this is different to, to uh, the last time, uh, to last season when defensively they weren't so fine. But uh, you've got N- N- Nabi Keita, who's going to the the African Cup of Nations. Mohamed Salah is going to the African Cup of Nations. Sadio Mane, Sadio Mane also... Also uh, off to AFCON. Uh, Takumi Minamino, another attacker, is injured. Divock Origi is injured, I think. Diego Jota is fit. Um, Roberto Firmino, also injured. Uh, and then you have, you know, 
Tiago Alcantara, who's kind of injured. But, I mean, for a, for a team that I think prides itself on, you know, hard-hitting, attacking football, you know, they're really going to come at you and get... They don't... They're, they're, they're lacking attackers right now. It's not looking very good. Um for for this team uh they like i said i think i said earlier liverpool have requested that their uh league cup match against arsenal on thursday be moved due to i guess some some covid cases in the squad but i think that's going to be covid cases on top of international absences on top of injuries so you know it's it's just kind of a unique a unique position um for most of the month these players are going to be missing. Obviously, some players could come could come come uh, come back, but they've got the League Cup against Arsenal. They play Shrewsbury in the FA Cup. Um, they play Brentford this month. They play Palace this month. The beginning of February, they play Leicester City on a Thursday night, and I guess that could be um, a game in which uh, um, Mane and Salah come back, but. This is um, this. Sorry, Jordan. I just saw that message you sent. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, we'll talk about that later. Uh, it's not looking good for Liverpool, and I, I, I wonder. I mean, it's a short period of time when you think about the entire season, but I, I Liverpool are looking that. I'd be I'd be dipping into the transfer market if I were Liverpool right now. I mean, seriously, I would be I'd be out there looking for for some of these these attacking players to come in and to at least you know shore things up or maybe switch some stuff out. See if you can't shift Origi and Minamino and bring in some healthy players. I, I feel like they need to do that. Uh, I am in concurrence with you, Adam. Uh, I thought y'all would both enjoy that text I just sent. Um, <laughs> I, I found it, I found it hilarious, uh, but. Maybe we're going to see the culmination of what has tactically been occurring with uh, Liverpool throughout this entire season. Maybe it's time for the Trent Alexander-Arnold false nine. Uh, because when they you know line up in an attacking sense, he has clearly drifted inside to where uh, Henderson would normally operate. And Henderson's been out wide, uh, wide of Salah. So, yeah, maybe it's time to put TAA up at the false nine and let him go to work. I mean, they can try that, but I don't think it's going to work very well. Just just personally, because he's gotten, I mean, he does drift inside, but he usually, that's usually when he gets into trouble because he's, he, his instincts aren't as good in, from that position. Um, yeah, this is definitely going to be a test of, of Jurgen Klopp's tactical prowess. Um having to deal without your two best attackers and having to deal, um, you know, with, with these injuries. So I, it'll be interesting for, to see, um, to see how they do that. Um, all right. So that's the title race. Like we said, we, we, I think we all agree city are cantering to the title at the moment. Let's take a look at the, let's take a look real quick at the other end of the table. And this is interesting because, um, it involves a team that's going to be, we, we suspect, quite active over the next few weeks trying to get some players in. So this segment is called Teams in Quote-Unquote Crisis, whether or not that crisis is real, temporary, um, or completely made up. Uh, and we'll start, of course, with Newcastle. Um, 
announced today the signing of Kieran Trippier from Atletico Madrid. Um, Atletico Madrid kind of kind of losing out in that deal, um, not not really getting a whole lot for for what they put in there. But uh, good to see him coming back to England. Um, but I'm just and Jordan, you can probably catch us up on some other signings that are expected to happen or might happen or rumored to happen. Um, but I mean, do we really think these signings are going to help? I mean, are, uh, how much are they going to help and can they help in time? Newcastle right now in the relegation zone, they're in a dogfight. Obviously they've got plenty of games to, to get up out of there, but uh, it's going to be tough. Yes, of course it's going to be tough. But you know, when you when you can money whip people, the world is your oyster, Adam. So um, as long as we get these signings in within the next couple of weeks, um, the the part of the season where we really have to pick up points is right upon us. Uh, let's see, I am going to look at their next four games. I believe I know we. Start. So we are home versus Watford. We uh, go to Leeds. That ends January. Then we're uh, home to Everton, home to Villa, away at West Ham, uh, away at Brentford. That ends Mar. That ends February. And then the next time we see a team that, I mean, you could clearly say on their day is going to be better better than us. Eight to nine, eight eight out of ten times is when we see is when we see Chelsea on the twelfth of March. So this these next you know six weeks are absolutely crucial for Newcastle to to pick up points and to pick up players. Uh, like you said, Kieran Trippier, uh, the uh, English international La Liga title winner, uh, right back who plays an amazing dead ball is. Coming from uh, Madrid to Newcastle, uh, we have a couple more uh, in the works. Uh, Sven Botman, uh, the Dutch, profo- uh, the Dutch uh, Botman, the Dutch professional footballer from Lille, uh, who's only 21 years old. Uh, I think he, uh, I think Lille is hesitant to sell him, but if we offer around 35 million pounds, I think we could get him. Uh, I know James Tarkovsky has been bandied about, uh, Connor Cody as well. It looks like we are going to get Aaron Ramsey back from Juventus up to Newcastle. And I believe there are also a couple uh, strikers we are linked to as well. So you bring up some good points, and obviously those those would all be good signings um, in in theory. But – so you, you've got to bring these players in. You've got to get them integrated into the team. You've got Watford coming up this weekend. Then you've got Leeds. Um, Watford, Watford's next weekend. Watch, Adam, Watch, this sorry, this Cambridge. is FA Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got, but you've got Watford coming up next in the Premier League. You've got Leeds. You go to Leeds. Then you've got Everton and Aston Villa kind of early on. These are all teams that are sort of around you, and, and the wins against them would benefit you the most. And yet, you're going to play them at a time when you were you were still trying to upgrade your squad. So these are very crucial weeks, but it's almost like 
is this going to happen in time? Are you going to be able to cobble or cobble together? It's not really the the right term there. Are you going to be able to put together, you know, a a solid enough team and to raise your game enough to beat Everton, to beat Leeds, to to get these wins that you really need before you face Chelsea again, Liverpool again, Arsenal again, um, you know, uh, <laughs> these these other teams that are that are higher up the table that are, you know, squad additions are not going to be more difficult to win. It's is it. I mean, I feel like it's a race against time at the moment. I mean, it is a race against time, but I feel like with actual competent ownership, we could win the race. I have hope. You know, for the longest time, if we were to be rolling into the back half of the season with uh, Mike Ashley still as my owner, I would have totally. I would have written off this season at this point. I would. I would have watched Newcastle just because I have because I have to watch them come rain or shine. But I would not have had any expectations of surviving the league. Um, I think we could pull it off. This will be the great the great escape. Um, it can be done. How weigh the lads? Caleb, as a neutral observer, I want to ask you. Um, percentage-wise, what is the chance do you think that Newcastle gets relegated? Um, Based on what we know now. So there's four teams that are kind of fighting for those bottom three spots. And so yeah. the good news for Newcastle fans is that you just have to be better than than them. So you right. just have to be better than Norwich and, and uh, Burnley and, um, and Watford. So that's the good news. And, and at the moment, Newcastle is kind of, I mean, you know, they're not – they're in, you know, they're in the bottom three, but they're not so far away from from staying up that it's that it's inconceivable. I think you right. make a really good point. The timing is, I mean, in a perfect scenario, you know, you play those those teams you mentioned in about a month after you've had time to bring players in and kind of get them get them um, acclimated. I would probably give Newcastle probably the best chance out of the four that look like they're going to be relegated of staying up simply because they are going to bring in some reinforcements. And I think there is, um, you know, a change, you know, change in ownership, the change in managers. I think there's some energy there. Um, I think they do have some talented players. So, and I think there's going to be a lot of, I think they're going to be highly, I mean, obviously every team's highly motivated, but I think they're going to be very motivated to stay up because I think most of those players understand that, um, you know, if, if they're able to go into a summer transfer window in the Premier League, then they're going to probably get, the the players they need to compete in the Premier League, so I'd probably give them a fifty percent chance of staying up and a fifty percent chance of being relegated. Probably better than than any of the other three teams. Um, not a sure thing, but if I were a betting man, I'd, I'd bet on them to stay up. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think it'll start to turn around. I just like I said, the, the timing of this is is not ideal for Newcastle. That's not to say that they won't play teams later on in the season that they could conceivably beat. I mean, I think you play Norwich. Brentford is another team, obviously, you know, guys like there teams like Southampton, Aston Villa, um, you know, with some improvements, you, you could you could do that. Um, Everton, another team that the people are kind of talking about being in crisis. They had a devastating loss to Brighton um, this past weekend. And it's uh, there's this trouble with Lucas Dinier, which uh, could take him to Newcastle. At least Jordan uh, seems to be on on the Lucas Dinier boat. But um, it's it's not gotten a whole lot better for Everton. They had that dramatic, you know, 
late, fantastic win against Arsenal um, ahead of Christmas, which was you know so much fun. But that the light from that seems to have faded a lot, and they've uh, they've made at least one signing. I think they're looking at maybe bringing in another. Uh, I think there was they were signing a Rangers right back. Uh, they signed a Ukrainian left back, which supposedly is going to replace Lucas Digne. Um But I don't know. I just I wonder how much longer Benitez has left, and you know how much how much he's going to be, how much time he's going to be given, and how much they're going to put up with you know what has to be considered subpar performances from a team that you would hoped was at the other end. You know they had Dominic Calvert Lewin back. Um, which was a huge boost. But they still couldn't manage to beat a very good, in fairness, Brighton team. I mean, they've been playing very well this season, but uh, I don't think Brighton has ever won at Goodison Park before until now, which is which is pretty devastating. So I just I wonder how much longer he's got left and, and what exactly is going to need to happen to turn this around. Well, the good news for them is they continue to sign um, defenders, <laughs> so hopefully <laughs> yeah. that'll help. Um, and like you mentioned, Nathan Patterson coming in from Rangers, yep. and then Michaelinko, I believe. I think that's Pauly right. Michaelinko from Fatimo Kiev is coming over. So um, some help on the it, – it's interesting. I mean, who would have thought that a, a Rafa Benitez side would be concerned about signing um, defensive-minded players in the January window? Yeah. Um, what a shocker. Uh, they're tough. <laughs> they're kind of tough to figure out, though. I mean, like you said, I think Brighton's a good side. I don't think that's a terrible loss. Um, I'm sure they feel differently. But, I mean, they, they defeated Arsenal. They drew Chelsea recently. They've got Norwich, Newcastle, Villa, and Leeds kind of in the mix. I mean, those aren't their next four. But, you know, in their next, you know, five, six matches, they're playing those four. Um, and I think there's a good chance they're going to come away um, with with quite a few points from those four matches based on how those sides are playing. So I think the next month and a half are going to be is going to be really really key for Benitez particularly if they don't come away with I don't know six seven eight points from those four matches then then I think that he probably won't won't last the year. But if they're able to right the ship a bit and claw their way up a couple more ranks and get kind of more solid middle of the pack, then I imagine they'll they'll give um, him a, a chance to continue to perform well. But um, I don't know how much how much those signings are going to mean at the moment, although they seem to be pretty bright for the future. So who knows? Yeah. They have a tricky test uh, this weekend as well, going to Hull uh, in the FA Cup. And Hull are not exactly flying in the championship. I think they're, they're lower, lower table. But going to Hull... Um, you know, on on the form that they've been in, it's just and and the stakes being, you know, either win or you go home. Um, that that could be pretty 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 tough. Um, we, we talked about them a little bit, so I want to ask this question real quick, and then we'll move on to uh, some teams higher up the table. But uh, Leeds, Watford, Burnley—they're all down there. Um, Leeds with a very very good win against Burnley actually this past weekend, three one. Um, you know, there's rumors about maybe Rafinha. Uh, being poached away by the likes of Liverpool. Um, you know, Leeds have, haven't had the best of seasons. Watford, great win by West Ham against Watford um, over the holiday period. And then, of course, uh, you know, we had Burnley, who's who's had some results go against them recently. 
out of that group, out of just those three, so, you know, we talked about Newcastle, talked about Everton, tossed them aside for a minute. Out of those three, who is the most likely to be playing in the championship next season? And I want to, I'll, I'll start with our championship correspondent because he, he, um, he knows this league better than, than we do. Caleb leads Watford Burnley. Out of those three, who do you see being in the championship next season? Probably Burnley, because um, they yeah. just can't score. Although, since the beginning of this season, I kind of expected Watford to be relegated. And <laughs> Leeds feels like a championship side for some <laughs> reason. Like, I feel like they just belong down here, just slogging it out with the rest of us. Um, you know, it, it, Watford has lost an incredible 13 matches, but I mean, Burnley just can't score. And that was kind of yeah. the, the thing that, that Norwich has struggled with. It's what Fulham couldn't do last last uh, season. And yeah. so... You know, barring anything else, if you can't, I mean, it doesn't matter how many draws you could eke, how many nil-nil draws you can eke out. If you can't score, you're getting relegated. So I, I'd pick Burnley. Yeah, and if James Tarkovsky, who I think is also rumored to go to Newcastle, Jordan, I could be wrong about that, but if he goes to Newcastle, that's another, that's a defensive, uh, uh, defensive unit that uh, that's gone missing. Um, Jordan, I'll ask you, Leeds, Watford, Burnley, out of that group. Who do you think is most likely to uh, join Newcastle in the championship? Sorry, never mind. Who do you think is most likely to uh, to go down to the championship out of that three? I see where your intentions lie, Adam. <laughs> and I'm not a fan. Um, it's got to be Burnley. It's yeah. weird to say that their most offensive player is Cornetto. Maxwell Cornet. Cornet. The... Uh, <laughs> the player they, they signed over the summer. I mean, again, scoring an amazing free kick. Yeah. Now, maybe that was more on, you know, uh, Eon Melier not setting his uh, wall right, but Burnley would be in, like, would be in Norwich's position right now if it wasn't yeah. for Cornet. <clears throat> and my opinion is if Burnley does goes down, does he stay? Oh, I mean, probably I not. Think, you know, yeah, that that that's exactly what I'm thinking because he's putting enough play on uh, you know on tape this season that someone's going to pick him up for a decent deal. Um, you know, Liverpool, I would be he would look interesting on the, in uh, in that squad for sure. You know, even in a you know less uh, you know in, in a backup role, but yeah, yeah, it's it's got to be Burnley for me at the moment. Maxwell Cornet with uh, six goals. He's their top scorer this season. Chris Wood is next with, I think, three. Yeah. And then Ben Mee uh, with, with two. Their highest rated player, though, has been Dwight McNeil. That's another guy I think if, if they get relegated, I c- we could see him uh, picked up by somebody else. Um, I agree with you guys. I, I think out of those three, Burnley just looked the most likely. Um, and... It'll be interesting to see whether Sean Dyche stays, you know, whether Burnley say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll keep him in. Because the last time they got relegated, they did, and he brought them straight back up. Um, he did just sign a new contract. But I think you mentioned earlier in the season, Jordan, um, you know, it just sort of looks like he's he's been stagnating there at Burnley. And, you know, I, I mean, I guess at a club like that, you don't necessarily need to move forward per se or move up the table. You know, they're pretty good just kind of hanging out and being a part of it. Um, and staying up and, and being in the Premier League, but you know at some point you gotta you gotta move. You gotta you you can't just stay in the same place. And I feel like that's that's where Burnley is right now. Plus, 
you know, Watford, they've got Claudio Ranieri. He's got some pedigree um, in, in this league, and, and he's he seems like the motivational type. And Leeds have been looking good. I do wonder if Rafinha goes, perhaps to Liverpool, um, what that does to them. But uh, but yeah, I, I think Burnley is, is a good shout there. I'd be uh, happy to see them drop out, just so I'm not confused <laughs> when I look at the screen as to whether it's Aston Villa, West Ham, or Burnley playing. So I, I'd be happy <laughs> just because of that. It's too much claret going on in this in this place. Um. Uh. So, uh, real quick, going on, just kind of jumping off of the most recent results uh, on Monday night, Manchester United lost at home to uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers at Old Trafford. Jao uh, Moutinho with a very very good goal there. Um, I mean, and, and they were just, I mean, they were outplayed. There was absolutely no question that Wolves deserved, uh, that win. Um, looking at the, the race, cause it, it's, it's kind of divided. So we, we had City, Chelsea and Liverpool sort of start to pull away. And then that sort of leaves that fourth spot, which I believe is currently occupied by Arsenal. Um, and so competing for that spot, presumably, for the second half of the season, is going to be Arsenal, West Ham, Tottenham, Manchester United. Somebody else could jump in, theoretically. Uh, but more than likely, one of those four is going to end up in that top four spot. So, so much like the last question, we'll start with you this time, Jordan. Arsenal, West Ham, Tottenham, and Manchester United. Who is the most likely to place fourth out of that group and get Champions League football next season? I want to say West Ham because I would just love to see it. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, but you don't have to. I, for all the crap I give you, uh, West Ham has you know played well to their paper this year, um, and they're pro- they have been the most consistent team I would say um, in terms of you know results and getting points uh, in that group, which is a you know a key characteristic of a David Moyes uh, you know managed squad. But in terms of recent form, I gotta say Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Conte has turned the uh, the car around, and it's going in the right <laughs> direction. Um. And I I don't know where they're gonna stop. Like I I feel like they're gonna run into some troubles with obviously, uh, you know, City, um, Liverpool, Chelsea, but. I don't. I mean, I don't think Arsenal, West Ham, United, Manchester United. I I don't think they could you know provide the challenge for that fourth spot to to Tottenham. Yeah, and and we haven't really seen yet Harry Kane truly, honestly, I think take off and and have the kind of season that would be expected of England starting striker and that could be to come. So, I mean, if you consider how good Tottenham have been and then consider how good they would be with, with Kane firing on all four cylinders, which I suspect he will at some point in the second half of the season. Yeah. I, I think that's a really, uh, a, a good shout. However, it is Tottenham and Tottenham usually do Tottenham things, no matter who's in the manager's seat. Um, so yeah, I mean, that could be really interesting. Um, Caleb, uh, same question. Arsenal, West Ham, Tottenham, Manchester United. Who do you think is most likely to place in that fourth spot out of those four teams? Uh, I 
I agree with Jordan. I mean, it's crazy as it seems that Spurs would be in this spot considering what an what an awful start to the season even before the season they had. They've played really good football. Um, and, you know, we will know, obviously, you know, the, the more games, the more data we get, the more we'll know. They've got a tough run ahead. They've got um, City, Arsenal, and Chelsea in the next few fixtures. So I think we'll really get a sense, you know, by – early mid-February, whether it's going to be Tottenham or not. If they can come out of that generally unscathed, then I think they'll be the fourth team probably. Um, an interesting thing with Tottenham is they draw an ungodly number of red cards, um, whether straight <laughs> reds or double yellows. So if, you, if I don't know what they're doing to get under people's skin, um, but they have – one of the ways they've clawed their way back because they have struggled to score from open play is by – um, you know, by playing, you know, one man up or, or by generating from from penalties or, or from set pieces. And so, you know, maybe some of that magic will go away and, and West Ham will continue to kind of, they'll, they'll get a little bit on a, a little more solid footing than we've seen them over the last few weeks and, and get forth. But at the moment, it seems like Spurs it, it should be there. Yeah, they, uh, against Liverpool, there was a red card to Andrew Robertson and, I mean, Kerry Kane should have been sent off in that game, so there was that one. Crystal Palace, Zaha got sent off. Southampton, uh, I think it was, yeah, uh, Mohamed Salisu got sent off for a second for a second uh, second bookable offense. Uh, on New Year's Day, they played Watford and they needed a late goal, but I think that's only because Watford did finish the match with ten men. So yeah, that's that's a really good point. Good shout. I I had I didn't even think about that until I saw that. Um, you know what? I, to be honest, I I. I, I I expect Tottenham are going to end up doing Tottenham things a bit, a bit later. And I w- my answer to this question is going to be Arsenal, as much as it pains me. Um, but I, I do think they've turned somewhat of a corner. Um, I don't think they're going to go this whole entire time without losing. Um, and, and they've got some tough matches coming up. Um, but, I, you know, our, um, Mikel Arteta has a good handle on this team. Um, you know, I think he, he did well to turn the corner early on when it just looked like they just couldn't, they just couldn't do anything and they were just struggling hardcore. I mean, he, he's rattled off some really, really good, good results with them. Um, a a win against Leicester back in October. Um, they had, of course, the big win in the North London Derby. Um, you know, some hard fought wins against Norwich and, and Burnley. Um, so, uh, you know, beating Southampton, um, which I thought was a bit surprising, um, you know, overcoming leads. Of course, they had the win against West Ham, um, which again, which kind of hurt. But I, I, I like the look of this Arsenal team now. Um, I think Thomas is playing very well, and I, I do think I, I, I'm going to go with with Arsenal. I, I think that they've got the best the best chance. Um, but we will see. I think truly. Who has the best chance out of those two North London rivals on January the sixteenth? Write that down. Uh, it's at uh, Tottenham, uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, Spurs against Arsenal. That's at ten thirty on Sunday, January the sixteenth. So that one's going to be a fantastic match to watch. Um, and we'll see if they if both teams finish with uh, with eleven men. I highly doubt it. Um, okay, so hey, that was kind quick, of, oh Adam. yeah, go ahead. Sorry, just one final thought on Spurs. You know. We talk about so being so Spursy. Wouldn't it be so Spursy though that you start the season with your 
six-choice manager, uh, your disgruntled star that wanted to leave, somehow hasn't left yet, plays like shit, the team looks awful, then you bring in the fiery Italian, and you somehow back, uh, 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 end up back asswards in the fourth, in the fourth spot. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty Spursy, but I also think it would be very Spursy to start out like that, to get the Italian in, to back yourself into the fourth place spot, only to lose it to your North London rivals at the last minute. So, we'll, we'll see. I think it might be more of a question the rest of the season of who's more Spursy and who's more Arsenal-y. That's going to be, that's, that, that will be the, the defining factor in the race for fourth. And for what it's worth, I do think West Ham have had a good season. I think they will continue to have a good season. Um, but I don't think we'll get fourth. I, I unless unless we make some signings over the next few weeks. Doubt that's going to happen. Maybe we'll make at least one, but I think it's going to be a more defensive signing. And I I I think the big signing needs to be at the other end. And I don't think it's going to happen. So, you know, it's going to be a good season. Hopefully, we play Europa League football again next season. I think that would be great. Um, I think it would help to keep some of these star guys around. Um, but I don't think we'll we'll make fourth. But if we do, holy crap! I'll be, I'll be, I'll be so happy. I'll, I'll, if if we get fourth, Jordan, I will drink beer out of this mug that you got me for Christmas every single day of the week for a week in June. I, I that's that. I'll, I'll just, I'll be, I'll be high on spirits for a whole entire week if if we can do that. Um, so coming up this weekend, uh, if you haven't been able to tell, is not Premier League action. It is the third round of the FA Cup. This is when the championship and the Premier League teams enter the competition. 64 game or 64 teams, not 64 games. Uh in this round, 32 games across 4 days from Sunday or from Friday to Monday. Um before uh, we're going to incorporate this into our top shelf picks uh this week, but before we do, just a quick rundown for you, the fan. Uh so these are the the FA Cup fixtures this weekend. Uh, starting Friday, January the 7th, and Monday, January the 10th. These are the ones that are involve a Premier League team. Um, obviously, there's more than this, but uh, I, I at least wanted to cover the ones that you can watch that involve a Premier League team. And these, I believe all of them are live on ESPN+, Plus for those of us in America. So you can watch it. If you miss one, you can go back and watch the replay, because ESPN+, Plus is great like that. Um, but you can watch... I, I'm pretty sure you can watch literally any of the, of the matches you want this weekend, Premier League team or no Premier League team. Um, but these are the ones that involve a Premier League team. So starting out Friday, January the 2nd, this is at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Swindon from League Two hosts the mighty Manchester City. Uh, so that one that one will be fun. Um, that was a big, uh, a big draw. Swindon were very, very happy to get City uh, in that one so they can get a full, uh, a full stadium. Um, on Saturday, January the 8th, uh, starting out bright and early at 7.30 a.m. Eastern, Burnley. They get Huddersfield out of the championship. Uh, this one will be fun. 7.45 a.m. Eastern, Millwall against Crystal Palace. This is a London derby. Uh, could get pretty intense. Not as intense as Millwall-West Ham, obviously. But uh, still could get pretty intense. And I hope I, I really hope Palace give him hell. Um, All-Premier League uh, matchup between Leicester and Watford is at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh also at 10 a.m., it's uh, your Newcastle, Jordan. They face Cambridge United at St. James's Park. That's League One. 
Cambridge United. Uh, League 2 Port Vale hosts Brentford, also at 10 a.m. Uh, West Brom from the Championship will face Brighton. That could be a good match, 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Chelsea against non-league Chesterfield. That's at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. So this is below League 2. Uh, Chesterfield are currently top of the nationwide, uh, the, the, or the national conference, I think is what it's called. Um, uh, that's at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Also at 12.30, we mentioned it earlier, Hull of the championship, they face Everton. Um, and then Swansea City, also from the championship, face Southampton. That's also at 12.30. On Sunday, we start out with uh, Charlton from the League One against Norwich City. Uh, Liverpool face Shrewsbury. That's uh, Shrewsbury from League One. That's at 9 a.m. as well. Presumably, um, maybe... Uh, injuries might force uh, injuries plus COVID might force that one to uh, to be moved. So we'll keep an eye on that one. But uh, right now, Liverpool facing Shrewsbury, 9 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Tottenham get Morecambe, uh, also from League One. It's an All Premier League uh, affair between West Ham and Leeds. That's at 9 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. Wolves face Sheffield United of the Championship. That's at 9 a.m. Eastern time. And Nottingham Forest versus Arsenal. That's at 12:10. PM and that one's important because I think a few years ago, uh, actually Nottingham Forest knocked out Arsenal at this stage of the competition, so uh, that'll be interesting. And Monday, January the tenth, it's another All Premier League affair: Manchester United host Aston Villa at Old Trafford. That one's at two fifty-five PM Eastern Time. So, those are the ones involving a Premier League team. Uh, and so, because it is FA Cup weekend, gentlemen, I wanted to have a little bit of fun with this. So we're going to do Top Shelf Picks FA Cup Edition. So I've sent you both some instructions on this, but so just so the, re- the listeners know, uh, here they are. So this week, let's just pretend that I, Adam Troxtel, am a billionaire, and I want to send both of you and myself to your FA Cup match of choice anywhere in the UK. I will give you all the money that you need to fly over to the UK. You can, you know, you, you, you can... You can hire a car if you want, although I would keep in mind, let's let's keep this green. Uh, so take a train, take a bus if you can. Uh, so transportation to the ground of your choice. I'll even pay for your pub fare so you can get another nice uh, 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 steak and mushroom pie or steak and kidney pie, if you will, Jordan. Um, so I want you to tell me which match you are choosing and why. And then give that prediction for that match, and so that will be your your prediction for this uh, for uh, the top shelf picks this week. Now, here's the catch: the match that you pick, the other two also get to predict that match, so they can get some points off of it if they predict correctly. You cannot pick the match of your own club. Now, if someone else picks to go see your club play obviously you will predict the result of that one but you cannot choose the match of your own club so we're going to go we're going to we're going to expand our horizons here gentlemen we're going to go see some other clubs play um it does not have to be a match involving a premier league club it certainly can be um but the the extra twist to this is the person who chooses the match that is the most entertaining slash meaningful and we'll talk about that next show um that person will get a bonus point. We all have to be in agreement on the bonus point. But So the person who picks the most entertaining or meaningful match to go and see out of the three that we pick, you will get an extra point uh, that goes to your total for the top shelf pick standings. 
Uh, just as a reminder, Caleb Jordan, or uh, Caleb is uh, is top with 25 points. Jordan is second with 22, and I am in third with 19. So, do we all do we understand the rules? Any questions before we proceed? Got him. Okay. <laughs> I was a little, little, little nervous there. It took 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 some time. Okay, so uh, because of the the way the order worked, um, just the way that we we set this up from the beginning, it had me up first. So uh, I will choose to go with an interesting one. Um, so the lowest ranked team in this uh, third round is a team by the name of Kidderminster Harriers. Uh, they are in the National League North, so not the National League. They're in one of the two leagues beneath that. There's a North and a South. Uh, and despite the fact that they are in the Midlands, they uh, are competing in the North League this season. Um, they used to be a football league team. They've kind of fallen on some hard times, but they've had some great results in this competition uh, to get here. They beat Grimsby 1-0 at home. Uh, they also beat Halifax Town um Two nil last time out uh, in the second round, and they face Reading at Agborough on Saturday, January the eighth. And so I'm going to go watch the mighty Kidder Mister Harriers face off against Championship strugglers Reading. And I want to give Kidderminster the win here. I think it would be great. However, I am going to say it's a one-two, it's a two-one win to Reading. But I wish Kidderminster Harriers the best. So. Uh, I've chosen Kidderminster versus Reading. Either of you, would you like to take a stab at the prediction uh, for that match? So I'm going to be the dreamer here. Yeah? I'm going to say it's a 1-1 draw with the Harriers going through on penalties. All right. So Jordan says... Uh, let me write this. Hold on. We've 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 never had a, a prediction like that, so I got to figure out how to format that uh, on penalties. Okay, okay. So so Jordan with the Kidderminster on penalties. The Cinderella story continues. Uh, Caleb, care to take a stab? I mean, I I, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, yeah, neither do I. <laughs> I'm gonna guess where where's the where's the match being played? Not that that really matters, it is but at at Agbra, which is okay. uh, Kidderminster's uh, home ground. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, God, I'd love to. What, what they're the what? What's their what's their mascot again? The uh, Harriers. The Harriers. God. Yeah. What a lovely. What a lovely. I story. know. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to see them. Uh, so Reading. I know Reading a bit. Um, yeah. So I, I looked at some of these matchups. So they haven't faced a non-league team in the FA Cup in 20 years. Um, and oh, when they really? did, yeah, they last last against Welling United, um, and they haven't been eliminated by a non-league side in the first round in 30 years. So I, I'm going to go with Reading winning this one, and I'm going to guess a 2-1 victory over the Harriers. Look at Caleb busting out the research. My goodness, that's that's fantastic. I can't wait to get to your match. Um, okay, so that's my Kidderminster versus Reading, um, and hopefully it's a very entertaining uh, one to two results, uh, and, and Reading get a get a good one there late. However, Jordan's might Jordan, if your prediction comes true, I might get the bonus point. 
So uh, I'm feeling feeling pretty good about that one. But so Jordan, which match uh, have you chosen to attend in this FA Cup third round special? Well, guys, I chose a match where we could all be fans of the same team for one day. We're going to Stoke-upon-Trent. We're going to Vale Park to watch Port Vale versus Brentford. And uh, this is a shout-out to the random Port Vale (laughs) fan. Me and Adam met at an SC Dallas versus Stoke City summer scrimmage in 2013. So, up the veil, fuck shite city. <laughs> Let's go Port Vale. And what's the results going to be from Vale Park? Are they going to are they going to up in their their Premier League opponents? Uh let's see. <laughs> so, they haven't played a match Saturday, the 11th of December, was the last time they played a match with their game against uh, with Exeter and uh, Harrogate, both postponed. So they're going to have uh, a month of recovery over this holiday season. It's 2-1 to Port Vale. Okay. 2-1 to the Vale. Interesting. All right. Caleb, we'll take a stab at Port Vale. Do you have any interesting facts to throw out for this one? Okay, that's fine. That's okay. Between Brentford and Port Vale, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, Port Vale, I know historically has not had a tremendous amount of success um, against um, top flight sides um, in the FA Cup. Um, this is actually the first time these two sides have ever met in the FA Cup. Um, and uh, Port Vale has been eliminated from their last seven FA Cup ties against Premier League opposition. So. Doesn't look good for Port Vale, but because I hate the bees so much, I'm going to join forces with Jordan. I'll go down with the ship, uh, fuck the bees, and I'll say a 2-1 victory for Port Vale as well. And plus, it's a good opportunity for you, Adam, to get back on the race. <laughs> and, well, thank you. Uh, thank and, you. Appreciate that. And Caleb, uh, I was going to mention this too. So, yes, they do not have a history against Premier League sides, but Port Vale did have two historic defeats of prior FA Cup holders. Uh, one in 1958, beating Stanley Matthews Blackpool, and then the other, 42 years later, uh, knocking out uh, Everton. So they are, they have <laughs> there uh, you go. killed some giants out at Vale Park. That's, that's, all, that's all I need to know. Let's that's go. fantastic. What's, what's Man. their mascot? What are they, the Porters? Uh, what are they, Jordan? Are they just, I think Port they're vale? just the Vale. Yeah, they're just that, the Vale. I think they're just that's the veil. That's badass enough for me. I love that. Yeah. Go veil. Let's do yeah. it. Um, so this is the only fact that I know. So they, they have not met in the FA Cup, but Brentford and Port Vale have met before. They played each other in 2014 when uh, both teams were in League One. And Brentford uh, um, survived. The, or Brentford uh, was triumphant in that matchup uh, 2-0. And so that's going to be my prediction is actually, I think it's going to be the same scoreline, 2-0 to Brentford. Um, 
no nothing against Port Vale and I if if that guy from Dallas who was the Port Vale fan is listening, um, still love you. Um, uh, okay, great. This no, this is good. This is fantastic. I can't believe we had a Sir Stanley Matthews name drop um, in this segment. I could I would not have predicted that. Um, so last but certainly not least. Um, and I know that because we, we talked about this beforehand and Caleb picked the one that I wanted to pick, but that's okay. Um, Caleb, which match are you choosing to attend, um, with, the uh, with the millions provided to you? I don't think it would cost millions to go over there, but with the money provided to you, where are you going? So, uh, <clears throat> I will be joining, um, 4,500 other faithful at, uh, Meadow Park. Um, great, to watch great, great Borum match. Wood take on AFC Wimbledon. Yes. Um, I picked these two sides because I knew nothing about them, um, and they both seemed very um, uh, uh, English. Um, yes. So I decided that that was the route to go. Found some interesting, uh, a, a few quick notes. Um, for those who are unfamiliar with the two sides, Borum Wood is in the National League, which I believe, Adam, is the fifth level of English football. Um, so they're yes. um, struggling a bit. Um, and AFC Wimbledon is an interesting side. So they have only been constituted for – they've only been around for pro- what? Uh, probably about 20 years, I think. Yes. Um, because the previous – um, iteration um, of their side uh, moved up to oh, probably about 15 years um, uh, left. And so uh, fans kind of reconstituted the team. They're currently in English Football League One. So a uh, couple tiers separate these two sides. Um, they haven't really played um, any meaningful matches against each other. Um, a couple interesting uh, dramatic notes, however. Um, the match will feature uh uh, features um, Bournemouth manager Luke Garrard, I'm going to say is his name, um, yep. going up against his former former team. So he played um, over oh, wow. 100 matches for AFC Wimbledon and then um, got injured. They kind of cast him aside, went to Bournemouth, and they actually appointed him uh, manager in 2015, and he was the youngest manager in any of England's top five divisions um, when he was appointed manager, and he's been manager now for, for seven years there. So um, definitely would be a huge win for him to get one over on the, the side that he played for and to cast him aside. Um, whether that truly happened or not is, is I don't know. I'm just, that's um, yeah. for dramatic effect. Um, yeah. Also, I also picked this because we get a whiff, a, a, a slight, um, uh, a wonderful odor, uh, a beautiful um, <laughs> tease of a West London Derby because we have a uh, Boreham Woods keeper is... Uh, uh, Tay Ashley Hammond from Fulham, oh. and uh, Brentford's Aaron Presley turns out for Wimbledon. Both are on loans, so oh, um, wow. a little bit of a West London derby. Um, so I will be rooting for Boreham Wood. They're the underdogs. They've got the Fulham player. Um, would be a lovely victory for their manager. Um, so I'm going to guess a a two two draw and then a victory on penalties for the Wood. <laughs> First of all, it's great that that's their nickname. Second of all, fantastic stadium name. Also, I think we have two fantastic stadium names but for different reasons. Obviously, Boreham Woods is majestic and nice and just sweet and so English. Um, and then AFC Wimbledon's is just called Plow Lane, which I think is Plow fantastic. Lane. <laughs> There's a lane, we plowed it, now we play football on it. Plow Lane. 
and it's a new stadium. So yeah. Okay, so would win on penalties. Nice. Okay. Um you know, I this to me does seem like the most likely I, I think I could see Borumwood winning here. I'm gonna go with a one nil win for the wood. Uh I think they'll get into the next round and hopefully they get a Premier League opponent. Um come to Meadow Park. Come on, you uh, wood. Yes. I think that's the, the thing that's the cheer. Let's go say, wood. Uh, up the wood. Up the wood. Is that Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's that's right. Um Up the Wood to Plow Lane. Jordan. Um what What's your prediction for Boreham Wood versus AFC Wimbledon? Uh, this is where I differ from you guys' prediction. Um, unfortunately, I feel like something else needs to go right for the area of London known as Wimbledon. You yeah. know, besides hosting a world class uh, grass, you know, a, 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 ten, uh, a championship, you know, in strawberries and cream, uh, Wimbledon goes through 1-0. Okay, so 1-0 to AFC Wimbledon. Um, yeah, man, that's this is this is fun. Uh, this, fun this is, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I think we've discussed this before, uh, but yes, AFC Wimbledon is the reconstituted uh, club that formed when Wimbledon FC, uh, long-time citizens uh, <clears throat> uh, of southwest London in the Wimbledon area, uh, upped and moved to Milton Keynes, which is about as far from London you could, could you could actually be while still considering yourself in the London metropolitan area. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah. And... From my understanding, Milton Keynes is not exactly the most exciting place to move. Also, it's incredibly, I don't, I mean, in American sports, I I don't know if you could say it happens a lot, but it does happen that teams move cities. It, this, that almost never happens with, in England. Like the, when, when that was going on, it was like unheard of and just this travesty uh, for the people of Wimbledon. Of course, the people of Milton Keynes were like, oh yeah, we'll take a football club, but but so uh, I'm I am sympathetic to AFC Wimbledon. However, uh, I think I'm I'm kind of on, with Caleb on this, and I do like the name Boreham Wood. I like the name of their stadium, and I think it would be great to see them in the fourth round. So there you have it. That's our special. We we might do this again for the for the fourth round of uh, of the FA Cup. I'm not, I'm not sure yet, but certainly we'll do it for for this round, um, and we'll have those results to you next week. All right, that's our first show of 2022 done and dusted. I'm I'm excited. FA Cup weekend is coming up. That'll be exciting. But it'll be good to get back to some Premier League action next week uh, as well. So thank you, gentlemen. Any any, next, any parting notes? I, yeah, I would just say next time, Adam, we, we uh, y'all need to pick, if you haven't already, a Scottish Premiership, premiership side. I do. As Dundee United uh, has signed a um, partnership deal with Fulham. So nice. I am now a Tangerine fan. Um, excited for their match against St. Mirren on January 18th. Um, currently, we're ninth out of 12th in the Premiership, premiership so we've got a little <laughs> bit of a ways to go. Um, but uh, I, I look forward to – I just learned about that today, so I look forward to learning more about that league and that side. But go Tangerines. Uh, do, are they – 
the, the, uh, are they are, are they ahead of Dundee though? Is the question. If you, as long as you finish ahead of Dundee, you're good. It's a good question. Uh, I don't know yet. They are. Yes, they are. That's, yes, you are. That's all. That, that's all that matters. That's all we okay. care about. Let's yeah. go, baby. Yeah. There you go. And yeah. uh, Caleb, I was going to say you're a little bit late to the game on picking a Scottish Premiership side. Yeah, but we between, ours are boring. Uh, between Adam and myself, I have won many a bets on uh, our Scottish Premiership sides. Uh, with you guys say, the Rangers. If you guys say Celtic and Rangers, I'm going to hang up the phone. Uh, well, I, I, get I get, am, get I, your I, hand I, on that I button. A, <laughs> yeah, I am. Well, I am a boy. Uh, I am a Celt. Uh, you know, being as close to Catholic as uh, as being uh, as possible <laughs> without being Catholic. Uh, I just have a natural affinity to Celtic. What can I say? Uh, is, 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 hold on. Is Lutheran closer to Catholic than Anglican? This is not a topic that I wanted to discuss on the pod, by the way. Is it? Yes, very close. I thought Martin okay. Luther was sort of like, go away Catholics, and Anglicans were just no, like, no. we like everything about Catholicism, just not the Pope. Like, that's kind of how I thought it was. Uh-huh. Adam just insults massive swaths of Christians with his oversimplification of the belief system. Up to about Vatican II, you would have been correct. But since, like, the 1970s, the uh, ideological breakdowns have been so so close that it's basically just like uh, Catholicism minus the uh, obsession with the Virgin Mary. So uh, we still got all the drinking. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, no, you know, we, we have the traditional mass, just not in Latin. And hell, they don't even have it in Latin anymore. They use the common tongue now. Uh, so, yeah, common as, as 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 close to Catholic as I can be. Uh, yeah, I just have an affinity for Celtic, and so of course that means yes. uh, the Protestant bastard that is Adam had to go to the other side of Glasgow, the blue and white side. I I picked Rangers. Um mainly because Sir Alex Ferguson was a former Rangers player, so that's why I've I've always kind of been a Rangers Rangers fan. Um also I got a Rangers mug from from uh from Edinburgh. So I've, I've and I have a jersey. Uh, I have a Rangers jersey. I bought a Celtic uh soccer ball when I was in Glasgow to give to a friend of mine. So Oh nice. But I'm I'm a tangerine now, so you both can go That's to a good hell. one. <laughs> uh, that's you know, be fun. I was gonna, I, hey Caleb, but you know what's fun though about this um is just the fact that the greatest uh, uh, season in uh, re- recent Rangers history is managed by the uh, longtime Liverpool great Steven Gerrard. So that kind of does, uh, you know... Yeah, but he was at Rangers. He was at Rangers when he did it, so it doesn't, that, that doesn't count. Yeah, but, it, okay, it's still it's still hilarious that a former Liverpool player managed Scottish Premiership side to greatness. So it's just, it just a little, little thorn in your side makes me happy. Well, if it takes anything away, I think I've always been a West Ham fan, just closeted. But um, before I piss off any other religions, um, I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to end this here. But uh, but that's that's go. a good that's that's a that's a that's that's a fun that's fun to learn. We'll have some fun with the uh, with the Scottish Premier League for the rest of the season uh, with that, Caleb. So thank you both. Thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with some FA Cup recap and and in action, and then some more nice Premier League. So take care, everybody. Uh. And on that note, uh, for the first episode of We Ate All the Pies in 2022, let's go eat some pies, guys. I almost forgot. Thank you, Jordan. Let's, let's go eat some pies. <laughs>